0: On this episode of Sea level I talk with Brian Oxley and Enrique Alvarez of Vector Global Logistics. So tell me a little bit about you guys and your business.
1: So my name is Enrique Alvarez. I'm originally from Mexico City. I came to the U.S. in 2004 to study Vschool. school I <clears throat> went to Wharton, in Philadelphia, graduated in 06 and then came down to Atlanta to work for the Boston Consulting Group. That's where I met Brian. We were both doing consulting for almost three years uh, where <coughs> we wanted to start something on our own. We thought about different projects and different uh, potential ventures and we looked into logistics and for us logistics was a very interesting industry.
0: So why logistics? What interests you the most?
1: Well, after conducting a uh, couple of weeks of due diligence and just interviewing some people and really getting to know the industry well uh, after a project that we did uh, for a company down in Mexico we realized that the industry was very fragmented so there's a lot of mom-and-pop shops out there there's a lot of uh, large international companies that are doing logistics but even those big players are not uh, don't account for for a lot of the market share in the, in the industry so it was very fragmented the other thing that we found is that uh, the economy wasn't very Very good. Uh, It was really a lot of companies going under, unfortunately. So time-wise, we thought that that could be (coughs) an opportunity. And and I I guess I'll take a step back and I'll just tell you a little bit more about what uh, our company is and uh, what kind of industry we're participating in. I mean, we're an NBOCC, which is a non-vessel operating Mm -hmm. common carrier, which is a logistics company, international logistics company. And what that basically means is we have contracts with a lot of different suppliers, Uh, a lot of different contracts and contacts with agents around the world, and we're shipping ocean containers for our clients. So someone calls us and tells us that they need to ship 10 containers from Savannah, Georgia, to uh, Nigeria, Lagos, and we not only coordinate the uh, (coughs) loading the container, making sure the container gets there on time, making sure that it's loaded in the two hours that we have, but then also making sure the container returns to the port, Goes to the other end of the world, and then we do the same thing at the other end of the world uh, with our agents.
0: I, I can't imagine how difficult it is. I mean, I I can't even plan a company party with my office, let alone like shipping something across the world. So well, I
2: mean, when we got into it, we found and looking at different opportunities beyond logistics, we found that logistics was a great opportunity for us because, as Enrique started to mention earlier, it was you know, very fragmented, a lot of smaller companies. It was kind of like the Wild West, where people were moving freight, doing whatever they wanted to do, but their mindset, what we found in the industry, is just people don't, people did it okay. They didn't do it well. They didn't communicate to the customer and be proactive. And the freight companies would try and price gouge their clients where they would try and charge an exorbitant margin. They were trying to make, maximize their margin on each and every shipment versus thinking about the long-term value of the client. And for us, when we got into the industry, that was our approach, right? And coming from our roots of BCG, it was all about thinking about the long-term value of the client. And so we don't want to ship with that company for this shipment or the next shipment. We want to ship with them for the next you know, 10 or 20 years. You know, and as such, you know, I think that since we started in 2009, we've lost all of one client. Um, and that was due to an acquisition that they had a... The acquiring company had a pre-existing relationship with another forwarder which is understandable, but for us, it's all about driving value and making sure that we exceed the expectations of the client.
1: The other, the other thing that we found out about at that point is just the, the culture and mentality of doing things in this industry, like most companies are set up so they would be working from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You have one hour lunch, and for us, uh, diving into this industry and having clients all over the world, literally China, Germany, Brazil, time Chile. Distances. 9 to 5 Atlanta time didn't mean anything right. to anyone, right. right? So we came up with, uh, with a new culture uh, based on results and results only, which basically just means that you're taking the time and the space component out of the equation and you're starting to measure people by... Uh, performance and some key indicators. So if you're in operations, we want you to make sure that the clients are happy and everything's running smoothly and you're invoicing on time and you're keeping track of your shipments and all that. And we're 100% focused on just making sure that our team does that and we forget about where they are in the world or (coughs) what time do they come to the office.
2: But yeah, and so if you get rid of that time component and focus on results, um, you know, and I think this is where, you know, going to my background, Enrique was, grew up in Mexico City. I grew up in a similar sized town of Ogallala, Nebraska. Yeah, very Population similar. Population of 5,000 people. <laughs> 20
1: million. <laughs> um,
2: but for me, you know, born and raised in Nebraska, went to the university there, studied biology and biochemistry, okay. worked for a biotech startup. Um, while I was there, knew I wanted to get a grad degree, but wasn't sure if I wanted to get a PhD in science or go and get my master's in business. But I didn't have enough information to assess the latter. So went and took a job with Accenture, worked there for a few years, uh, found out that business is where I wanted to be, um, and then ended up going to Kellogg um, and then joined BCG down in Atlanta after I graduated in 04. But, you know, and knowing that going into the BCG, um, loved the work that I was doing. I had planned on being there for two years uh, and then leaving and either starting a company or buying a company, Um, liked what I was doing. So we ended up sticking around for close to four. But um, you know, for us moving into the logistics industry, it's, yeah, we definitely take a different perspective than kind of the normal company or the normal individuals that happen to be working in the industry and so.
0: So tell me with everything going on in logistics. What are some of the issues that you could potentially run into?
2: It's a lot of nine to five. It's a lot of um, not being proactive. You know, if there's an issue, the typical answer is, well, you know, if there's a customs hold, it's customs. They do what they want to do. The U.S. government takes care of whatever they want to do. And for us, it's pick up the phone, right? Call. If you have a situation, you know, present a business case to the officer that has to go through the customs hold. And usually they're pretty good people and they'll, you know, be able to get us to have them help us out as long as it's a rational argument. Um, but yeah, so doing that, it's just being proactive and then again, removing the time timeframe uh, or the time component. Um, what we had learned through consulting at BCG and Accenture, it's, it's all about delivering results. And so if you remove that time component, I don't care how much you work, where you work, when you work, etc. It all comes down to making sure you're delivering results for the client and that's what kind of rings through with our client base. And
1: makes, makes a really dynamic culture to work in and I'm really happy and everyone seems to be enjoying the kind of culture that we have because of course it's very flexible when it comes to respecting people's time, and to give you a couple of examples, like one of the operations managers that used to work with us wanted to take guitar lessons Tuesdays and Thursdays in the mornings, and she did that, uh, and no one really cared. Another person that worked with us loved soccer, uh, almost as much as i do and uh this person went down to brazil uh i had to convince some of his clients that he was not in the u.s and uh they wouldn't <laughs> believe me i had to send some pictures of him parting and <laughs> receive it, it. in the but stadium I'm like no yeah. i'm telling you he's not here but <laughs> at the end of the day and at the end of the day technology allows you to do that these days and so we're focusing on results we're providing value and just the one thing that's also different from other companies out there as brian was mentioning is just not focusing on the Point A to point B, cost of shipping. Uh, To give you a good example of this, that hopefully will be practical, Uh, it's we were working for a log manufacturer, a log uh, company down in Mexico that cut logs in Veracruz, Mexico, which is in the Gulf part of Mexico, and they were shipping all those logs to Houston, Texas. And, uh, and so I always had the contact with the client, and the, the client is basically telling me, hey, as long as you offer me a good freight from uh, Veracruz to Houston, you'll continue having our business. And we kind of went months and months just making sure that we gave him a competitive rate from point A to point B. But I was always asking him, like, well, what do you what do, do with this? Uh, how else do you manage your logs? What else do you do? <clears throat> and... He was like, don't worry, Enrique, as long as you give me a good freight from Veracruz to Houston, we'll keep working together. I'm like, not too worried about this, but I really want to understand, because that's kind of like when we can create more value. Right. And so, long story short, I went down to Houston, uh, bumped into his uh, boss, who happened to be the owner. I started talking to him, and they had like a big warehouse with some huge shredding machines that basically put the logs on one end, and then mulch came out the other, and I asked him where his market was, and he said, in California. So. Uh, so I'm like, well, uh, if if 80% of your market's in California, you're basically using manufacturing air, because mulch <coughs> is basically air, and then trucking it to California, would it be possible to get a warehouse in California, start shipping the logs through the other coast of Mexico, moving the machines to California, and then basically just manufacturing the mulch in California? And again, the, the the owner at the beginning was like, oh, can we do that? I'm like, yeah, let me put a business plan for this. We did it, we saved him like $2 million a year. I. Increase my ocean rates yeah. for sure, but they weren't really worried about that at that point, and that's what we see over and over. I think that supply chain is very complex. We have to take it, all the different pieces into consideration. It's not only give me a cheap rate from uh, Shanghai to Savannah. Right. That's part of it, and Would we can provide that it, but it's not part it. of
0: part of your <laughs> success. Is that is that oh, you're we, you're you know really helping the client you know to every, everything, even putting a business <coughs> plan together for them and, I mean, and getting th- executed.
2: Yeah, I think our, I mean, our success has been around us putting ourselves in our client's shoes, right? And always doing what's best for the client, right? Because if, you know, everything that we do, whenever we work with our clients, we're an extension of their brand. And you wanna make sure that you're making the right decisions, right? And so, you know, whether it's have a client that had a product launch, you know, with Walmart and they their factory in Asia was, well behind on their production. And so they had to air freight probably a million dollars worth of product, and um, which the freight was astronomical. And so as opposed to any other freight forwarder would have said, this is gonna be great. We'll air freight a lot of this stuff. It's, you know, they'll make a really good margin. But for us, it was, all right, how can we do this cheaper? And so we ended up working closely with our client, working closely with Walmart, basically air freighting one-sixth of what we needed to do and then sent the rest from asia to la transloaded it put it with a team of drivers to get it to the dcs and we ended up saving them a couple hundred thousand dollars where anybody else in the industry would have been salivating over trying to maximize their margin yeah Yeah. so for us it's all about focusing on doing what's best for the client and doing what you would do if you're sitting in their in their shoes and that's driven a lot from kind of us being in that consulting realm and taking a different approach. It's just
1: being, uh, just trying to build those long-term relationships, right? Because those relationships are based in trust. And so we're not here to ship the next container or the next three containers. We're really here to build a long-term relationship with the people we work with. And I think that has been really key to our our success, just being true to ourselves, to our values, to what we believe in, and then really... Uh, applying it to what we do every day and making sure that our team and everyone that kind of surrounds us has that same mentality and then that same um, Mindset when it comes to delivering results putting the clients first making sure that we're adding value And the other thing that we're all very passionate about that's also critical to to our company is just giving back, right? so uh, that kind of um making a better world and changing the world uh, is very important to us and every time we ship a container here in the US we donate meals to people down in Kenya and uh, every time that we open an office and we have uh, offices now in the US in two in Mexico and two in Chile we talk to our team and they kind of uh, select a cause that they're supportive about and then they basically build our business and relationships uh, around that so we have a very big component when it comes to working with non-for-profits we (coughs) love working with companies that are interesting and really trying to give back and making a positive impact in the world and then also uh, supporting different causes in Mexico we work with uh, Canica Mm -hmm. and uh, they are um, uh, organization that deals helps families and kids with cancer and in Chile, we help uh, with Quanil, which is another uh, good organization that helps kids with special needs. Do you guys ever fly out and go out to some of these locations and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As we opened the offices, I had the opportunity to go and fly and travel uh, to Santiago a couple of times this year, to Iquique is where the other office in Chile is and where the school is. Yeah. And um, yeah, we go visit the kids and the schools and it's, it's very yeah very inspirational. It's yeah. really humbling and it's really what drive, continues to push I mean, us forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, for us, it, I mean, it, it's, it's good for the, I mean, it's good for everyone in the world, right? But it's also good for our employees because it, we treat our company, you know, all of our employees as family members yeah. versus employees. I right? say the same thing, yep. And so, you know, it's doing fun stuff like, you know, going and you know, I think we're, we have a fundraiser tomorrow
1: yeah, we're going to work yep. with. We're going to with uh, MedShare.
2: MedShare. MedShare is um, a
1: really interesting organization here in Atlanta um, that I can put you in touch with because yeah. that could be a really good interview as well. But, but yeah, so
2: it's that or you know whether it, we'd like to do more things where it's more actively and being involved in terms of volunteering and also you know donating. But I mean, I think we've donated over half a million dollars to Habitat for Humanity in in products and stuff like that to help them build their facilities and so or their houses.
1: And we have donated um, 600, it's 700,000 meals so far. Our goal was 1 million, so we're short of that, but uh, we're trying to push hard. That's right. That's, awesome.
0: That's fantastic. So you guys manage a lot of employees. What is it? Was it like to to manage employees? I mean, you come from consulting and building businesses and stuff, but like, <clears> let's <throat> talk a little bit about management.
1: I think so. I think our culture helps us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a very unique results based culture which puts a little more of the pressure of managing people to the managers because you have to communication is key yeah. you have to make sure the the expectations are uh, aligned and that the goals are very well understood and everyone's very very uh, in line with what we're trying to do on a quarterly basis on a semester on a yearly basis And then the other thing that's really helping us out a lot is the way we're structuring our workload. We don't like the silo mentality that other companies have. So we don't have like the director for exports and imports and operations and sales. We believe that that kind of causes some internal friction and then just makes the whole organization a little bit less efficient and effective. So we're basically um, have a model that has smaller teams. So Vector is comprised of uh, Ten smaller teams working as independently as you can possibly work, uh, as long as they're following our culture and our processes and our service standards and our values, they can really do whatever they want. So, uh, so that has helped us manage people. But, but it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would
2: what for us, you know, and given the structure of the company and the culture, we were looking for a lot of self-starters, a lot of people that are have that motivation um, to go get things done, and it's it's not for everyone. Right, some people want to show up at eight and leave at five, okay. and if you're that type of person, that's great. But it's just it doesn't fit well in our company because we've, you know, we've hired people in the past where they've bought into this work-only results environment um, mentality, and they'll come in and show up, and but they won't produce results, and they think, well, this is great, I can work from anywhere in the world, but then the results aren't there, so obviously they don't last very long. But for the people that do understand it, and you kind of meld you know, everything else you mold your life around work, but if you can meld those two together, then typically you have happier employees. And so for us, it's, you know, with our employees, we'll hire somebody and then they'll literally within the first few months, they'll say, well, can you interview my sister? Can you interview my friend? Right. And, and they want family members and close friends to come work at our company just because it's so different than what they've been experiencing. The,
0: a lot of that's like in the creative industry. So in the movie business, right. you know, We we work crazy <laughs> hours, like sometimes like you know, eighteen hour days, right? So it's kind of hard, you know, to to put somebody <coughs> that's just used to that whole nine to five into into something like that. Absolutely. So, um, the fact that you know you're able to find those people and 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 generally I, I think you know when people I could do my work you know I always say I was like you know you're spending more time in the workplace than you are with your own family you can right. do your work you know like you mentioned like you know you're, you're giving time for people to you know ha- go get your guitar lessons go do these things like your work is part of your life you know it's like it's part of you know your lifestyle and and you know if you're able to kind of fit in your life and do work, Yeah, I think, it. it, it overall, it makes happier people. You Absolutely. know, better employees. I mean, yeah, we it, don't
1: believe in the, <coughs> we're, we don't believe in work-life balance. Yeah. We believe that that's yep. not it's doable, it's dumb, yeah. it's not really something we like. You're, you're the same individual, regardless of whether you're at work or at home or with your family or with your friends, so we believe more in like, let's just get things done, and yeah. yes, if there's something, an emergency, it's family-related or whatever, we totally understand it. I mean, all our families come, First too, right. so uh, so why pretend that we have work or this, and then you have people? I think it incentivizes the wrong uh, the wrong things because you have people out there kind of just taking sick days and thinking, calling in, and saying, "Oh, <laughs> right. I'm I'm right. sick today." Well, just tell me you want to go and watch a movie. Exactly, you don't yeah. have to. We don't care, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah, but fine. I think the way that some companies are structured are just are just uh, <clears throat> promoting bad habits. Yeah,
2: I mean, we had a you know, for us, we don't have a sick day policy. We don't have vacation day policy. And so we had one of our employees that was getting married and they were traveling a lot to, you know, upstate New York was, which is where they were getting married. And she was fine planning everything out. Her husband who had another job was, you know, would run out of days and he's like, well, do I call in sick? (laughs) What, how do I do to make this work out? And it's just, you know, if you're planning on working with somebody and then or if you have some employees that you're working for and they call in sick randomly or whatever, like it's it's fine, but if it's intentional, then right. it doesn't make sense and it just disrupts the actual business right. itself. So
0: Yeah. And and again, it, it all comes down to that whole honesty. I mean if if you're sick, or God forbid you're in the hospital, I wanna know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna be would like, like, all sure be there, there with you. you. Right. We'll be there with right. you, sending right. you know, flowers, whatever we can do to help comfort you. Right. Like, can I take care of your you know, right. whatever. Absolutely Mow your lawn, you know, what do you need? You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like and, and I think, you know, that, it's the transparency and understanding, um, you know, the, the, the type of work culture that you have, it, it is
1: great. And I think that's our main competitive advantage, to be honest, and that's the team we have is an amazing team, it's uh, encouraging, and it's really fun to work with them. I mean, you're really, yes, uh, empowered to work harder and make sure you're part of the team and make sure you care more, just because people have shown us like such amazing, uh, disposition and attitude towards working under this culture that, yeah. that is really, really fun and uplifting. And we definitely uh, everything we have, all our success we've had, or uh, everything we've accomplished, is really because of our team. Yeah. They are they are really the, the best. Yeah,
0: the companies, obviously it's not one individual. You know, I mean, yeah. the company means people. And having a rock solid team is a great company. Yeah,
2: when when you have no assets, you have to rely on human capital, right? Yeah, exactly. But if you don't have good people working for you, yep, then it all That's kind of all falls you apart. That's
0: Yep. Right. That and and I think and and this place is awesome. Like Thanks. when I when I originally was coming to this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> I was thinking like, man, it's gonna be like <coughs> you know the the styrofoam, oh. you know the, the drop ceilings with well. the lights that are buzzing. It's like. This is awesome. When like, we, it's a good, nice yeah, creative When we space. started the
2: company, we looked around for office space and we had a, a real estate broker helping us out and he kept pushing us down to the airport. Well, that's where all the people that are in the industry work. It's right. all down by the airport. And for us, I mean, we both lived in Midtown. We didn't want to commute, but we wanted a place where people enjoyed coming to. Yeah and you know we found that here at king plow especially
1: because they don't have to come yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> the right. few days that you want to come to yeah. the office at yeah. least we wanted it to be convenient and um, yeah and you're not sitting in this a cubicle a place,
2: and stuff like that and it's just it it's great king yeah,
1: well, plow is a great community too yeah. like there's tons of really interesting companies as you probably yeah. saw by walking around and oh, yeah. and it's a it's a and this area in town is also booming mm-hmm. uh so it's been Really cool so far. Yep.
0: So tell me, so you guys are entrepreneurs, right? So you have the logistics company. Tell me about this new project uh, that you have that's kind of like, almost like an incubator type
1: deal. Sure. So uh, and this project uh, came over, came about last year. We are looking for a space so we could move our offices because we've been renting in King Plow for 10 years and wanted to have something on our own. So uh, we saw that there was a place opening, which is now Vector, the office you were in before. And so we acquired that unit, and then while doing that and while kind of like getting comps from all the other neighbors and people that I know personally, we found out that there was like uh, an opportunity to buy two other units, this one S108 and M104. So we said, what can we do that's complemental, that's also entrepreneurial, and that can also help the community? So we partnered with Joaquin uh, uh, for Sandia, and we launched this, this place. It's called Sandia, which is watermelon in Spanish. Uh, that's probably why you see some of the pictures yeah. and yeah. some of the <laughs> coloring yeah. and yep. things like that. We, uh, we believe that all these little seeds come together working hard to create that amazing fruit that's very inclusive and fresh and uh, international, if you will, uh, was a good name for it. But what we're trying to do is um, basically bringing uh, interesting and smart entrepreneurs, small companies, people that are trying to tackle some of the problems we have in the world and convert this place which we just opened 3 weeks ago uh for for people that that share our own co- the same mentality <laughs> the same passion for uh starting new companies changing the world driving uh, innovation and Would you uh, say that that comes from both
0: of you guys coming from consulting starting out consulting No, no I don't
1: something? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I I mean I'll speak for myself. It's definitely not I've always had like this a uh, passion of doing something on my own i've always wanted to do something on my own be- years before i started with bcg i think that uh we both felt like uh it was the right thing to do but i but i mean for me the like
2: the thought of bringing in companies right and getting office or buying office space we didn't want to just be a, a we work right? right because as you've we've seen in the media there's a lot of uh scrutiny going around their ipo right now but for me what i get passionate about and what I've found where i found right I really loved and thrived at BCG was, you'd go in, study a company, solve a high level problem, then you would leave about six weeks later. And I love getting to know companies and trying to figure out how you can help and how you can better them. And so we wanted to create an environment where it was an incubator slash accelerator where we have a good community of companies that come in and work side by side with them and help them kind of realize their dreams and kind of push their companies forward and think about you know, how do you get from point A to point B, right? And how can we assist in yeah. making them successful?
0: I think there's something magical when you get a group of entrepreneurs or CEOs in a room together and like just ideas start flowing. And then if somebody comes in, like I'm a part of a couple of groups myself and, and it's like, it's great. Cause like you, you get different perspectives you know, different walks of life. Sometimes, you know, an issue that you're walking through is something that somebody's already done, you know, or or you're about to walk through that issue and you're hearing from somebody to learn not to do what they did. So, I I mean, places like that, you know, I I love that you guys are doing that. And you
1: brought something up that's very important, which is diversity, right? I mean, if you're really going to change the world and if you're really going to tackle some of this more Mm -hmm. global problems, you have to approach this as a team effort and you have to have people from all, literally all over the world. Yes. And uh, I, Especially yeah. for CEOs, it's lonely
0: just at the top, by yourself, and if you have nobody speaking into your <laughs> life, nobody yeah. speaking into your company, it's going to be very one-sided and, and it's going to be very tough to run, right. you yeah. know, so ha- being open and having the team around you is important. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, I think there's an article, I forget what it was, in Inc. or something around CEOs and depression, right, mm, because yeah. to your point, there's, <laughs> right. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people you can turn to and this yeah. side and the other and just... You want to make sure oh, that they should
1: just be a little bit more open. Yeah. Well it's <laughs> easier said than done. Yeah. But yeah. Some people just don't want to share. <laughs> right. So. It's just all about that. I think it
2: was entrepreneurial magazine. But anyway. So
0: if there, all right, so we talked we covered a lot of different things. If there is one piece of advice that you would give to an entrepreneur, what would that key piece of advice be?
1: No, would you go first?
2: Surround oh, yourself with one. great people. Right. And people that are not like you. I mean to the point from earlier because you know, we came into this um, Yeah, I mean, Enrique and I had worked together probably for six or eight months uh, at the, while we were at BCG and we found out that we, our skills complement each other. Um, And so, surrounding yourself with good people, people that aren't like you, it's great, right? I think that um, Enrique is one of probably one of the most motivated people, and also the, hard, the hardest-headed people that I, <laughs> that I know, but it's great, because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to try and try again, and you don't, you know, if it would have been just me, it would have been easy to say, all right, like, I give up, right, but then there, I have this, you know, other side of our partnership that is, you know, I'm going to pound that nail in as far as it can go and make sure it gets done.
1: And you know? I was going to go with uh, don't give up, right? Just don't give up, uh, to Brian's point, and uh, and I think we do have, I think your point's very valid as well, because you do need diversity, and you need people that are not like you to compliment yourself, and as Brian just mentioned, I mean, he's uh, more structured, more on the financial side of things, a little more cautious when it comes to things, and I think we have that really good partnership, uh, not only because we have different skill sets, but because we actually uh, not always uh, agree on things, but we trust each other, and sometimes, <coughs> He does what he needs to do, and I do what I need to do, and at the end of the day, we are a really good team, and, and we have amazing people. Again, I think you're right, yeah. The having a good team, not giving up, and listening uh, as well, because you could potentially not give up, not give up, but if you're really just not doing what you need to do, then you should listen to someone at some point. Stop, adjust, change, try again, yeah. right?
2: We pause to hug, real quick. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's great. Thank you guys. I really
0: right. appreciate it. Thanks. This was so awesome. This yeah, was, was fun. Was great. Thank you. Thank, Thank you kid. very much. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the episode. If you guys enjoyed it, show some love. Give me a thumbs up and subscribe. Also, make sure you check out our exclusive Sea Level group on Facebook.